Well, I'll tell you, it's great to have you here, but I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say Merry Christmas or Happy New Year. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Um, if you, that's right, Merry New Year. If you have a worship folder, there's an outline in it that has the, the verses we're going to look at and some fill-ins for you. And as I said, this is kind of that weird transition time especially when the Sunday falls in December still. And so it's like Christmas is over and everybody's thinking, okay, the new year's starting, but it's not yet. And I actually last week just got comfortable writing 2018. (laughs) And so anyhow, here's what we did. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, we talked about the first week about really preparing for Christmas. That's what we looked at that first week, how, how to really prepare, not just with the wrappings and the presents and everything, but spiritually prepare for Christmas. We talked the next week about connecting at Christmas and how important those connections are. And remember, I, I gave Legos. I gave everybody a Lego, and I had somebody leave today that opened their pocket and pulled out Legos. Um, so, see, that's a good thing. The next week, we talked about the sounds of Christmas, and remember, silent night and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We talked about that. And then last week, we had a great time. I I had a great time. We had Christmas at Journey North Church. We had three services because we knew we would need to because of numbers, and we had two in the morning and one in the evening. And we just had, I I had a great time sharing um, with you that Christmas and, and talking about the why of Christmas, and we used a candy cane. To, to remind you of that. And I hope you never look at a candy cane the same way. I actually hope I never look at a candy cane again, but that's a whole nother story. If you were here last week, you kind of know that. So here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to keep up the momentum on what God has been doing, what God has been doing in us, what he's been doing in you, what he's been doing in me, because I heard so many stories about people over this holiday season who had reconnected with God and and maybe with themselves, maybe with others, and it was a good thing. But maybe that's not what you're feeling at the moment. So I want to tell tell you a very short, brief story that I think most of you will be able to relate to. Um, I don't usually tell other people's stories, but I got permission to tell this story. Julie, um, this is Julie's story, but she said I could tell it. Um, How many of you have ever had a new cell phone? See your hands. Yeah, most people, most people. Some of us get hand-me-downs, but it's it's new to us. I don't, know, I don't know how you are, but um, cell phones are like, I'm going to put this down if that's okay. Out of the corner of my eye, I keep thinking someone is standing next to me. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Um, anyhow, anyhow, anyhow. I don't know if you're, you're like I am, but you get something like that, and, it, and it's, you get a new cell phone. And I'll tell you this. If you'd have told me 15 years ago that I was going to have a cell phone that cost $800, it'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> My car doesn't cost $800. <laughs> and now we have these cell phones that usually because we're paying for them monthly, we don't realize they're eight, dollars $900, $1,000. But you get this, and be, partly because of that, partly because it's just this amazing, magical device, we're extremely careful with it. And you take care of it. And you put it in you know, your pocket correctly or you have a case on it or whatever you do. Um, but then, but then, something happens. So we had, just, I think we had switched carriers. We had just gotten new cell phones and we were pretty pumped because they, they were pretty cool. Um, it's a number of years ago, a couple years ago. And, and we're extra careful with it because it's new and you don't want to screw anything up. And so Julie and I went, uh, we had gone... Um, <laughs> had parked in Wendy. She was driving um, because I'm man enough 
to allow her to drive, and besides, it's her car. <laughs> and so um, we, don't, we don't do the, you don't text while you drive, we don't do that kind of thing. And so she had her cell phone in her pocket. Um, now, these phones are new, they're a week old. And so her car, she's got a little car, and it's like this far off the ground, and, and you're about this far off the ground when you sit down on it. And so she's way done, and she gets out, and her phone was in her pocket, and as she got out, the phone slipped out. It's only this far. But you know when you drop your phone, you know how cats always land on their feet? Phones always land on the face. There's just something about that. And as you're looking at it, laying there on the ground, face down, it's like, I want to pick it up, but I don't. But it was, only, it was less than a foot. And so she picked it up, the screen was shattered. And it's like a week old. You ever had that happen? Here, here's... I don't know if cell phones have feelings. <laughs> Ours talks back to us, you know, with that whole Siri thing. It's creepy, you know. Julie and I are watching Netflix one night, and it's like, what, well, you know, what series do you want to watch next? And over on the nightstand, can I help you with something? It's like, what? <laughs> You're listening to me? <laughs> So yesterday we played with her a little bit, and it's like we said something, and she said, turn, we're getting directions to go somewhere, just turn here, and, and, and Julie said something, and Siri said, what can I help you with? I said, next time, next time she says that, say, Siri, and when she says what, say thank you. So she gave us directions, she says, turn here, and Julie says, hey, Siri, Siri says, what can I help you with? And Julie said, thank you, and a few seconds later, she says, you're welcome, and it's just fun to play with. <laughs> Anyhow, that has nothing to do with this. But if your, phone, if your phone would have feelings, you know, you drop it, the screen is now broke. The screen, in fact, that's Julie's story, but it's not just Julie's story. You might not be able to see that from where you're at. Original iPhone. Amazing thing is, <laughs> it still works. But if you were close enough, you would see that the screen is shattered. So I understand what she felt when that happened. I just can't tell you my story because it's a little more embarrassing. So we're just not going to go there right now. But if the cell phone had feelings, here's, here's what many people do. Maybe you don't do this, but you're so careful with it. And then something happens like that. And then all of a sudden, the mentality changed a little bit. You know, kind of like the first dent in, a, in, a, in a, a car that's new to you. All of a sudden, it's not quite as important. And instead of being so careful and putting it in the velvet case and being, you know, it's like you get in the car, poof, throw it on the seat, you know, get home, throw it on a counter. It's not, it's not quite the same. Maybe, maybe that's how some of you are feeling. When I say we want to keep up a momentum because God is doing such great things, you're saying, I'm feeling a little bit like that phone. I'm feeling devalued. I'm feeling broken. I'm feeling a little discarded. I understand that. I, I, the, the situation that I grew up in, it was a very religious situation, and I don't doubt that my parents loved me, but the situation that I grew up in, I spent years, decades, feeling ignored, feeling passed over, <laughs> feeling uh, like I had been given the brush off. I wasn't part of things. I was not acknowledged, disregarded, maybe even a little measure of, uh, of neglect, I felt. And that played on me for years. And I would repeat those things to myself, to nobody else for years. And it made a difference in how I felt, how I looked at myself, how I looked at everything around me. And maybe you're feeling a little bit of that today. Discarded. 
not treated quite the same way. Maybe when I say, let's keep this momentum going, you're saying, I'm not really feeling any positive momentum in my life. So regardless of where you're at in that, today we're kicking off um, a, a new series, just short series, but we're also this week kicking off a new year. In a couple days, it's going to be a new year. And here's what I've been doing. I've been praying and I'm going to continue to pray that this for us, for you, is a year of transformation. A year of transformation for me, for you, for your family, for our church, for our community, that we see real transformation from feeling distant from God to feeling close to God, from knowing little about His Word to being excited to dive into His Word every day, from struggling marriages into thriving ones, from handling money and resources poorly to maybe managing them a little bit more wisely, from being angry to being grace-filled. And I could go on and on and on. We are going to experience lives of steady change into healthy, growing, mature followers of Jesus. How does that sound? Does that sound good? Now, if you saw the little teaser that we put on Instagram and Facebook and you see this transformation thing with the yellow and black up there, I was going to go the whole Transformers route with this. How many of you have seen a, a Transformers movie? Can I see your hands? Yeah, in the first, the first service, people don't go to movies. They had no idea what I was talking about. I shouldn't say that, but it's true. Um, most of you have seen that. How many of you have seen the new one? There's a new Transformers movie. out. It's actually the, the best one yet, in my opinion. It's, it's called Bumblebee. And it's about a yellow... Volkswagen. This is one of my many yellow Volkswagens. I have many Volkswagens. I've been given them over the years. This one is pushing 30 years old now. Some students gave it to me because they know how much I love old bugs, old beetles. This one is actually also a lint brush. <laughs> so in a sense, it's a transformer. It turns from a Volkswagen into a lint brush. Um, but in the movie, it's, uh, it's an old yellow Volkswagen. Um, and the reason that kids have given me these over the years when I was a youth pastor is because my first car was an old Beetle. And I, before I got out of college, I had had eight Beetles. Um, and I just always had a soft spot, in my, soft spot in my heart for them. But in the movie, there's this old yellow Volkswagen that transforms into this you know, big robot that saves the world. And you're thinking, I haven't seen it yet. You spoiled it. It's like, that's kind of the point of every Transformers movie. So I didn't spoil anything for you. But I don't want to use Transformers for a theme for what we're going to talk about in terms of transformation. And here's why. Because in the movie, the transformation from the Volkswagen Beetle to the robot happens way too fast. That's not how transformation for us takes place. It also would transform back. And if you get transformed in the right way, I don't want you transforming back. And in the movie, the wrong person does the transforming or is responsible for it. The Bible teaches transformation is God's will for you. It says that clear. Do you want to know? One of the top three questions that I get from people is, how do I know God's will for my life? I want to do God's will. How do I know that? You want to know what God's will is for you? 
Here's what it says in Romans 12.2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's talking about an outward thing. It says you're you're outwardly trying to copy what they're doing. You're kind of going to try to fit in. You're going to try to make yourself feel good, make them feel good about you. You're, You're conforming to that. It says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. So let me ask, who does the transformation in our lives? God does. You don't. God does. It says, let God transform you into a new person by, and here's the key, changing the way you think. He renews our mind. He changes the way we think so that he can transform us into a new person. We have to allow him to do that. It says, then you will learn to know. And that's just not knowledge. That's experiential knowledge. I will get it. I will know God's will. It says, then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, because that's what his his will is like. So I want to help you understand what it means to copy the behavior and customs of the world. Now, you all get that, because we all do that. But I have a friend who's going to help us do that correctly. And I need a couple of things here. I'd like you to meet Huey. This is Huey. You may have not met Huey yet. But Huey has some, he's a, I'm just covering this up. Um, Huey does something, he, he lights up. So Huey lights up, that's cool. I'm going to, if he can just dim the lights a little bit. Here's, here's what happens. We do this way too often. Huey's like, here I am, I'm cool, but look at that yellow bug. Oh my goodness, that's sweet. I had a yellow bug, actually. Here's what Huey does. He conforms. He copies. You know, maybe, maybe Huey says, I have this over here. This person's really looking good over here. So Huey does this. It's like, ooh, it's magic. He turns red. And maybe, maybe Huey has someone, some of his, one of his friends or relatives or neighbors has this, whatever this is. And Huey says, I am going to copy that. I'm going to be like that because then they'll accept me. And you don't even need to know what color this paper is laying there. If I lay him on that, you'll know what color the paper was because he turns the same color. Here's, if you hear nothing today, hear this. Don't be like Huey. That's what Huey does. And I'm going to put him away now because you're having way too much uh, fun and interest in that. <laughs> Huey is actually very fun to play with. But you can get him online. Here's the thing. We are way too often like Huey. The things around us, the people around us, the stuff around us, sometimes just gets too attractive. Sometimes what we do is we try to conform so that somebody else will accept us. Sometimes we try to conform thinking that that's what we need to do for God to accept us. And we are conforming and we are copying the wrong things. And you'll discover it. But if you don't discover it early, you'll discover it. So I don't want you to be like Huey. I don't want you to conform and to copy the patterns and the customs and the behavior of this world. I want you to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So here is the central truth for today. When we follow Jesus, 
And what that means is you have gone from unbelief to belief. You've crossed that line. Remember we talked last week, when, when we say you've got to believe in Jesus, that doesn't mean, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. We just celebrated his birthday last week. I know that intellectually that Jesus is who he is. That, that is not what the word belief means. When it says believe in Jesus, the word believe means trust. You put your trust into that. For instance, I told you when we take Julie's car, she drives. It's because I'm mad enough to let her do that, you know? And I trust her. If I said, I trust you, I trust your driving, but you know what? Can you give me the keys? I'd like to drive. Would she believe I trusted her if I didn't let her do it? You can say you trust in Jesus, but if you haven't placed everything into Jesus, you're really not trusting him. So I, I say, I believe you can drive, and I trust you, and so I get in the passenger seat. I put my seatbelt on and my helmet. In my, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, I, I trust. I trust her. When it talks about following Jesus, it's talking about way more than just going to church or being religious. It's talking about having placed your trust in him for not only your eternal life, but for your life now, and believing that he really did come and die for you on the cross. Then, then you begin to follow Jesus. And so when we follow Jesus, when that happens in our life, we enter into a continual state of change from what we once were into the likeness of Christ. That's what it's all about. When that change takes place and I trust in Jesus, that begins the continual state of change from what I once was into the likeness of Christ. It doesn't happen instantly. It doesn't happen overnight. In fact, when I see people who there is an instant ginormous change, I realize, okay, buckle up. There's a crash coming. Because the transformation is slow and gradual, and it's often like this. But that's what happens if you follow Jesus. Next week, next Sunday, next year, I'm going to talk about the specific way that you and I actively allow this transformation to take place in our lives as we talk about spiritual disciplines. Now, I didn't want to start this series, probably two parts, with a message on discipline because the minute I say that, I see like, oh, you know. I didn't want to start a series with a message on discipline because I think we have some unnecessary hang-ups with discipline, with the word discipline. Too many times we hear the word discipline and it's like we get this sense of dread. It's like, oh man, this is going to be a lot of hard work. In a sense, in a sense it is. But here's, here's a quick preview for something we're going to unpack next week. Discipline doesn't lead to a hard, miserable life. Discipline doesn't lead to a hard, miserable life. Discipline is what leads us into a life of an easier yoke and a lighter burden. That's what we're going to unpack next week as we learn how to actively allow this transformation to happen. And that's where I want to start today. Today, I just want to spend the next few minutes talking about Jesus' invitation to you to total transformation. He's inviting you to total transformation. We're going to look at some of my favorite verses from Matthew 11, starting in 28. Jesus says this. Then Jesus said, he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary 
and carry heavy burdens. Anybody here feeling weary sometimes, carrying some heavy burdens? He said, if you're weary and carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you, it's one of my favorite words, rest. In verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. The burden I give is light. Now, if you've been around church any time in your life, you understand what I'm talking about. If you haven't been, you're like, what? Yoke? See, I was going to explain this in the best way I knew how. Um, I was going to bring an egg today, but I don't trust myself. I know I would get it on me or drop it and get it on somebody else. And then I thought hard-boiled egg, but we got home too late last night for me to do that. Besides, I lost the recipe. I can't remember how to do that. And so <laughs> you just have to use your imagination. If I had an egg up here, the egg would have... What's the hard thing on the outside called? Okay. What's, what's the yellow thing inside called? Ah, that's what we're talking about. What's the white part called? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the white part. <laughs> Don't you think it feels bad that everything in the egg has a name except the white part? You would feel a little left out. But here's the thing. I, I at one time thought, you know what? Am I like, am I, am I being wrong or bad? Because Jesus says, my yoke is easy. Every, every Thursday when I meet with Paul, and, and I, if I either get a waffle or eggs, when I get eggs, I get mine over hard. And the yoke is hard. Am I being disobedient by having a hard yoke? instead of an easy yoke like Jesus said. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with that. Different yoke, completely, okay? Think of this. Think of a board about this big, about this tall, about this thick, with two big holes in it. And maybe it's able to come apart and come back together. And what they would do back then is they would take two animals, you know, oxen or whatever. They would have one on each side of the yoke and it would be hooked up to the heavy load that they were going to pull. Because it was way easier for the two of them to pull it. One of them couldn't do it on its own. And both of them together, because it was pulling from the middle and they were both hooked in there, it was easier for them to do that. That's what he's talking about when he talks about a yoke. Okay, Yoked, literally, it meant submission. Because if you were yoked to this other animal over there, a lot of what happened to you was determined by what that one did. And a lot of what happened to him was determined by what you did. And so there was submission involved in that, and that's part of it. But you would yoke these two animals together so that um, they, they would have um, an easier time of pulling whatever burden they were pulling, uh, you know, a cart or a, a plow or something. Interesting, in that day, they also called the law a yoke. And the reason they did that is because the law put a heavy burden on you in order to meet all, I mean, just 613 requirements they had to meet just for their basic stuff. And it's like, that was a heavy load. That was a yoke for them to pull. Here's the thing. Yoked with Jesus, what he talks about here, entirely different as we're going to see in just a moment. Because the natural life, 
just by default is hard. I, I don't know if you've ever thought of this. I don't even know if they still do that. But when my kids were born, I was there. And it's like you come out of this nice, safe environment. And what's the first thing that happens? They smack you yeah. <laughs> so that you'll cry. It's like, this is what I'm coming into here. It even starts hard. And it doesn't get any easy, easier. And one of the reasons is we're born with a natural tendency to make wrong, sinful choices. You don't have to decide at some point in your life, I think I'll make bad choices. It's just the way we're wired. So we end up pretty tired, worn out. That's the natural life. But the religious life is even harder. Jesus was speaking in this passage to people who were, they were heavily burdened by the religious teachers of their day. They were offering a kind of religion that was all about rules and rituals and regulations, but it did not offer life. It didn't offer rest. It just offered work. It offered the kind of life, it offered the kind of discipline that we all fear. You know, exhaust yourself trying to do enough right things to earn God's favor. I got to tell you, you could never do enough to earn God's favor. You know why? Because you don't have to do anything to earn His favor. You could never do enough to make God love you more. And you could never do anything to make Him love you less. He loves you with an undying, everlasting, relentless love. But too many people... They exhaust themselves trying to do the right thing to earn God's favor. But there's another way. There's another kind of life that Jesus invites you to. And it's completely different than anything you could ever experience without him. So what I'm going to do for the next few minutes is I just want to share four big truths with you from these short verses about Jesus' invitation to total transformation. Because this is an invitation to you to total transformation. And here's the big truths about this invitation. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Jesus invites us to Himself. He doesn't invite you to a set of rules to follow, to a set of rituals to fulfill in order to get to God. He invites us straight into a relationship with Him. And a life of holiness and worship will then flow out of that relationship in what I call a supernaturally natural way. It's not us. And we know it's not us. It's, it's supernatural. But the closer we are to Him, the more natural it becomes. And that's what He's inviting us into. That's what being yoked to Jesus means. It means having that intimate, personal relationship with Him. Imagine this. You got the yoke, and there's two places, one, one for you and one for somebody else. And you look behind you, and you got this really heavy load or this big plow you got to pull. Which, who would you rather see coming up to be hitched into the yoke beside you? You know, the, the scrawny, hairless cat? 
or the great big oxen that's going to be hooked up in there, and you're thinking, this is going to make my life way easier having him hooked in here. See, when you get yoked with Jesus, you're being yoked to the one who is powerful enough to pull the heaviest load. And he's saying, when you're yoked with me, the burden is easy. It's light because you're hooked with me. And that only comes with a personal, living, vital, growing, daily relationship with Jesus. That doesn't come with religion. Jesus invites us to himself into that relationship. That's the first big truth. But before I give you the next one, remember the cell phone story? Feeling devalued and, and broken or discarded or, or, or maybe just not really paid a lot of attention to. Maybe that's how you're feeling today. Maybe you're feeling like that broken cell phone. I have good news for you. The second point, the second great truth from this passage, Jesus invites everyone who is broken. The next part of it doesn't make everybody happy. Jesus invites everybody who is broken and nobody else. Do you know Jesus came into this world for the broken? and nobody else. Jesus died for the broken, and nobody else. Because the truth is, there are two kinds of people in this world. Those who are broken and know it. And those who don't realize their brokenness yet. Because Jesus invites all of us because we're all broken. We simply have to realize it, to acknowledge it, and to own it. Too many people don't own it. It's really easy to spot somebody else's brokenness, but not our own. And so if you will come to Jesus in humility, that's like a key throughout the whole Bible, is humility. You come to Jesus in humility, you realize, I'm one of the broken ones. And receive His grace receive his forgiveness. He receives you into a transformational relationship with himself. It's a whole new life. That's what he's inviting us into. And he invites everyone who's broken and nobody else. The third great truth for today from this passage, Jesus invites us to rest in him. To rest in him. The truth is, a life of following Jesus is not an easy life. I get that. It's not a life free from problems. But it's a life in which we can walk with peace and confidence right in the middle of our troubles, right in the middle of our problems. We can have peace. We can have joy. We can have confidence Because we walk with Him. That's what the invitation is. It's an invitation to rest in Him. It's a life of assurance, of being sure of His love, of His power, of His presence in our life. So that regardless of what's going on around us, we can rest in Him. I I used to have this poster on my wall when I was in college. I wish I still had it. It said, um, it had a picture of a ship. 
and it had, you know, big waves and everything. And it says, sometimes God calms a storm. Sometimes he lets the storm rage and calms his child. And that's what I've experienced for the last 45 years. The storms don't always stop. But I can experience his peace and joy and calmness in the middle of the storm because Jesus invited me to rest in him. The fourth thing from this passage, Jesus invites us to follow him and live his life in ours. You see, I have to have him do it through me. Forty years ago, forty-some years ago when I came to Jesus, two words I said. It's the only thing I could get out when I came to Jesus. You know what those two words were? I quit. I said to Jesus, I threw my hands up and I said, I quit. I can't do this. There is no peace. There is no rest. I'm not doing it right. Nothing's working. I quit. I want to do it your way. And what he did is he brought me into that relationship with him. And he began the transformation. And he began to do it through me. You see, Jesus invites us into a life of being just totally enveloped by, by his very nature and being. He invites us to walk his path. He invites us to live the way he lived. I don't know if you remember those bracelets from a while ago, the WWJD bracelet. What would Jesus do? I'm not against them. I'm not saying they're bad. It's a great question to ask, you know, in that moment of decision or, you know, when you're facing a crisis or when you're tempted. It's a good thing, you know, what would Jesus do? It's not big enough. The problem is it treats Jesus like this, this utility to be used when I need him. Going through this tough time, what would Jesus do? It's like, you didn't think about that the last three months, or you didn't think about that, oh, in the situation that got you into the problem you're in now, you're just thinking about it now. Here's a better question. How would Jesus live? How would he live this moment? How would he live the, how would he live the next one? How would Jesus do that? And how can I do that as I live in relationship with him. Because the closer I get to him, the more I get to know him, the more I have that intimacy with him, the more I can see, here's how Jesus would do it. Here's how Jesus would live. And I want to be like that. So the question is, are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Are you broken? Come to Jesus. You can find rest. You can find total transformation. That's the invitation. Next week is the YBH, the yes but how. That means you have to come next week. But if you've not personally met Jesus yet, you've not believed and trusted into him, trusted him with your everything, you can do that today. What a great way to end the year and begin the next year by beginning an entirely new life. You could start this new year out with hope and rest and begin positive, total transformation. 
So what would total transformation look like? It would not look like the Transformers movie. (laughs) Boom, it's done, and everything's different now. That's not how it works. It's an ongoing process. And often during the process, you don't see it happening. But then you look back and you realize, wow, that's where I was. I didn't even see God changing me and transforming me to where you're going through something now that you would not have been able to do years ago. Here's how I had a person describe it from my college. He said, here's where you're at right now. It's how big you are in your faith. And I remember saying, it was Professor Emmett, I remember saying, well, thank you. That's really encouraging. And he said, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. God knows. God knows that down the road, there's a problem this big. He knows that. And you're this big. So you know what he does? He allows things in your life, those things that happen in your life, they're like this big. And what they do is they stretch you. And you grow in your faith. And it might be so subtle, you may or may not even recognize it. And so you're here. And then the next thing comes along. You do something, somebody does something, something happens, and it's this big. And God uses that to grow you and to transform you and to stretch you. And he just continues to do that so that when you come to that thing down the road, you're here. And it's just a little bit. But it doesn't happen all at once. That transformation is not going to be boom and done. In fact, I used to say, and it's true, you're never going to arrive in this life. You're never going to get to the point where you said, made it in this life. You know what I'm coming to believe? It's not even going to be true in the next life because I believe God's going to continue to grow me for all eternity. Little bit at a time. And according to Jesus, it's a way better way to live. You might recognize that when it's too late at the end. It would be way better to recognize it now and live that way. That's the invitation. I I was going to share this at the end, but I'm going to share it now. These verses, Matthew 11, I told you, these are some of my favorite verses. It wasn't until I read these verses. I've read them in 30 different translations. I've translated them from the Greek for my, you know, college classes and stuff. It wasn't until I read them in the message paraphrase that God just grabbed a hold of my heart with these verses. I don't think it's on the screen. I just want to share this. I think it is in your notes, so. The message paraphrase of Matthew 11, 28, and 30, I just absolutely love. Because if you're feeling like that cell phone, broken, discarded, maybe tossed around a little bit too much, here's what Jesus says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then I love verse 29. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the promise. That's the invitation. I... When, I can't tell you how many times I have to quote this verse during the week or how many times I'm doing something and God, because I've memorized this, because God, uh, that, that God will say, um, Tim, remember this? And here's what will come to my mind. Jesus standing there saying, 
walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want you to say those first three things with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Do it again. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And then imagine Jesus saying that to you. Walk with me. Every day, spend time with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. It's not, here's my plan, God. You make it work. It's, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to work with him where he's working. I'm joining him in that. I'm going to watch how he does it, and I'm going to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's the rest that so many Christians miss and that everybody who's not a believer will never understand. That's the invitation for that kind of rest. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Father, there are, there are many people listening to this right now that when we talk about being burned out, when we talk about being um, passed over, ignored, brushed off, neglected, disregarded, they get that. My prayer, Father, is that they would hear Jesus' invitation, come to me to find rest. I thank you, Father, that even in the middle In the very midst of what we're going through, we can experience your rest. We can experience your peace because we have assurance of your love for us, your protection, that you are always there and will never leave us. So, Father, for those who have already stepped across that line and and have trusted in you, my prayer is that we would be able to, to come to you to experience that rest, to experience that transformation as you change the way we think. And Father, for those who have never experienced that, may today be the day that in simple faith they say, Jesus, I believe that you can do it, and I'm trusting you to do it. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm one of those ones who was broken, and I'm going to trust that you paid for that on the cross, and I want to come into a relationship with you, knowing that the transformation begins and life will never be the same. Father, thank you for what you're doing here in us and for what you're doing through us. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand for the closing song.